Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, Hockey World. It's Tuesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, Hockey World 2017. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and it's just a Hallmark holiday. And I'm Eklund, and I couldn't agree more. Um, so much so yeah. that and you're watching the Hockey Buzz cast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. Mike, go ahead. But you guys are both married, so romance is dead. No, that's not, not true. Dead. Absolutely no, not. No, 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 no. It's did you watch the rink? Did you watch my rink video? Come on, romance is not dead. I want to <laughs> date with her tonight. I want to go out there and do it. This this day makes people feel miserable if they don't have anybody, yeah. and people feel obligated if they do. It's just I know that feeling. Up dead. Yeah, no, I mean, I am the, you know, I know Russ is a crazy romantic too. Like we are talking, you're talking to crazy romantic people. So we actually, you know, and, and we have wonderful wives and that's the deal. So I totally get it. But you know, this is a crazy, I mean, I am actually doing something tonight, which is rare. Like I, we never do anything on Valentine's day. The only reason we're doing something is my wife and I, because of all of our family, our kids activities, I don't think I've spent more than five minutes together for the last three months, you know? So we're like, okay, we're going to go to dinner. We're going to take this excuse and get a babysitter and go out and use this as an excuse. To go out on a Tuesday, you know, like so that's fine. So we're gonna, you know, but that's it. You know, we're gonna go to a really cool restaurant that opened up near us. So, but that's that's. I think this is the first Which, time I've been out for Thanksgiving for Valentine's Day for dinner in with her ever, and we've been together twenty years. So I don't think it's been. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been out for Thanksgiving. A, a restaurant which, which will close in a couple weeks, right, Russ? Yes, a restaurant which will close in a couple weeks because we go there. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> no, um, I. But you know, you know what this? You know, you know what this is a good night for? Hockey. Waiters, waiters. I, I used to be a waiter, and um, when this, this is having like a Tuesday night that suddenly you're pulling in a couple hundred bucks in tips. That's not a bad deal. So you know the thing good. is, though, and I was a horrible waiter. I was a way better cook than I was a waiter. But if I was waiting tables on a night like tonight, I'd be looking for the disaster dates, the ones that I knew weren't going to make it. Like I just, like I just, I don't know if I'd be able to contain myself because there's plenty yeah. of those too. I, I know you're right. You're right, and I. I was a I was worked I was a waiter at a very romantic place called the Viennese Cafe in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh yeah, I've eaten there once. It's a great place. Okay, yeah, so that's where I was a waiter for about three years. Capnia was there with me too, actually, as a waiter. You may have uh, served me. Who knows? I may have, and uh, I that's this. This is my quick hockey story to trans, transition in here. I also played piano there on occasion when the piano player wasn't around. I'm not really the kind of piano player that you want for that kind of a place, but I was in there, you know, playing morose minor key versions of King Crimson songs, like you were talking. So, um, but anyway, so I'm in there, and, uh, and Gene Hart, please, Hart, Hart, voice of the Flyers, Gene Hart, and I, I thought that was, I mean, to me, as you gotta understand, I'm in high, I'm just between, I'm, I think it was between high school and college, or in the first year of college in summer. Oh, okay, and, no, I, I only ate there within the last twenty years or so. Yeah, well, that was no, not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there's just the unaccompanied piano solo of twenty first century schizoid man. Here's right, right. So that's exactly right. But in a really quiet, mellow way. So and I, it was fun to do. And you know, it wasn't as much money on piano, but it was, it was playing piano for two hours wasn't as horrible as dealing with some people. So on a slow, it was a slow night. So I think I'll play the piano. That's fine. The piano player is out. So as a piano guy, are you obligated to play piano man? Do you feel like you have to? I don't know how to play piano man. I'll tell you that. So okay. there, right. it wouldn't happen for me. Um, 
but I think some people would. But um, so I'm sitting there, and Gene Hart sits, comes in, and sits down with Lauren Hart, who I, you know, was a young, very young Lauren Hart, and uh, and his and his mom and her her mom, and a couple other people, and they get the table At right. That next point, was Lauren the number one ranked anthemist? No, she wasn't. She was she was, she was still um she was still doing the puppy bowl or something like that. Okay. Um. All right. So she she's there, and um she's working her way up the ladder. Yes. So they're sitting next to me. I've told Lauren this story. She doesn't remember it. So that's funny. Why would you? But so they're sitting right next to me. I mean, literally, like, literally, like, I could reach like this and touch Lauren's back. They're on the piano. They're right next to the piano. Gene Hart's right there. I hear the whole conversation that's going on. They're talking about hockey. I'm like, this is awesome. I am like, literally. You eavesdropped on Gene Hart. You have to. So I'm, I'm living my dream. I'm like playing piano. Gene Hart's right there. This is incredible. You know, this is, I'm, this is the greatest thing in the world. This is before my band and everything. So I'm, this is great. So. I, I um, they get up to go, you know, and he comes over to, and there's a tip jar there, a little glass or whatever. And he has, he has a $5 bill. And he puts the tip jar in his exam. He's like, I really enjoyed your, your music, but I had one question for you. I'm like, oh yeah, what's up? You know, wow, Gene Hart's asking me a question. And he's like, uh, where's the body? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I thought you were going to kill us with that music. It was so, so somber. And then he uh, walked in. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> There you go. Voice of the right. Gene Hart. Um, that's my story. So, uh, you know, I was devastated, of course, and, you know, never played piano again. Of course. That was the story. So there you go. Um, let's start with some news. <laughs> Why don't we? Please. <sighs> um, the big game tonight, actually, and I, I know we've got other stuff to talk, but I wanted to get into this game because I think tonight is one of those, you know, Dreaded games that everybody is everybody else in the Eastern Conference is is hoping doesn't go to overtime in the Islanders Maple Leafs game tonight, mm -hmm. um, and so much happening with these two teams and these you know they're both the Islanders have been a team that's lost now is a team that's found again the Maple Leafs were lost for a decade now they're found again, um, and they're playing really well and the night you know the, the the two teams are one point apart at this point or tied maybe right where is this game it's in it's in Toronto. Games in okay. Toronto, um, so a huge game, and you know one of those games that you know three points or so will kill everybody else in that division. We talked about yesterday, but you know how big is this game? You know I think this game is significantly bigger for the Islanders in general. But I agree. Am I wrong about that, Mike? I mean, it's a hard thing to say, I guess. No, I I, I actually think it's bigger for the Maple Leafs because they have struggled since. Uh, just before the All Star break, that actually that game against Philadelphia where they lost two to one on a late goal, they're they're they've lost six of eight since that game, or including that game, and they're not getting as good of a consistent performance from Freddie Anderson. Uh, they're they've allowed a lot of goals, especially in games against uh, St. Louis and Dallas. Uh, right after the break, they. Uh, Dallas, I think they, it was four five goals in the first period. St. Louis uh, took a lead and ran away with the game. No, they're not playing very well. I mean, there's been some moments, but I think what's setting in, and I, I thought I started to get, get a whiff of this around mid to late January was, you know, that second half swoon, that, you know, realization, that time of the year when teams step up the effort for that race to the playoffs and how a very young team with a questionable defense was going to react. And right now, I mean, they could snap out of it and start to play really well. But right now, I think the schedule, them playing every other night, I think the their, their defense, which is weak, and I think the fact that they don't have a ton of experience is all contributing to the Leafs sort of taking a 
a little bit of a downturn. Now, even if they fall apart in the second half and don't make the playoffs, this season has been a, a, a complete success because they know that they have young, really good young players in Marner and Matthews and Nylander. But this was a, you know ahead of the curve in terms of them making a concerted playoff run. So if, right. it, if it doesn't come to fruition, I, I'm not going to be too tough on them. But with the Islanders, I mean, they were expected to make the playoffs. That's why I think the pressure's there for them. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're not, not a good road team this year either. I mean, they beat Philly, but they're not. The Islanders have been a lousy road team for most of this year. So I think I think it's a big it's a big test for them. Now, I'm not saying right or wrong because I do think I yeah. do think that honestly, once a team like the Maple Leafs are in the playoffs come February, um, it doesn't matter that they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. Like I think when it comes to a fan base, I think that's how it works. You know, and I think that you know logically you can speak from a perspective of all things, but really, if you're a fan, you know, you're it, this is like. The girl has returned your call. You just haven't gotten back to her yet. Moment, like you're like this is exciting. There's could something good could happen here. Good, good, good Valentine's Day analogy. Um, but no, I mean I I, I get that, and I, you know not to say that Leaf fans don't want this team to make the playoffs. Yeah. because they do. But I think what they what they've accomplished right now is they're playing meaningful games down the stretch. To me, it's even inconsequential whether they make it or miss it. They've gotten to a point of the season. This isn't a season where they were never in contention for anything. So in a sense, they may be playing for house money. But I, I do think the Islanders, after you know the first half in which they struggled, after firing Capuano, they found themselves under Doug Waite. Tavares is playing well. They've settled the goaltending situation with Grice. He's the number. He's the clear number one. Uh, their defense, which is we've always thought has been the strength of their team, is is playing better. Um, and then they're getting scoring from other players other than Tavares. So I, to me, I mean, they're operating in all eight cylinders. The Leafs right now are struggling a bit, and I think the Leafs are starting to feel it as well. And they, to the point that Mike Babcock in the last couple of days has changed the, the the team motto on the walls of their uh, the, the locker room. I don't even remember what the heck it was. Uh, before, but it's now play fast, play right. So he's trying to instill the way you know the, the, the you know the, in spite of the, what's going on with the team making mistakes. Um, you know he wants them to keep up their advantage in terms of their speed and also make smarter decisions. And that's great, but the thing is, these are b- a bunch of young players, and it takes time for them to learn to play with speed and to play with you know the mindset of making the right decision. Now, on Hockey Central, this sparked like a secondary conversation, which then sparked off a whole thing on, on Twitter. But the secondary conversation was uh, Gord Stelic asking Nick Kiprios, hey, would you trade this year's first-round pick for Kevin Shattenkirk? And and then basically Kiprios says, yeah, what are we, like 18? Yeah, this, this year's draft isn't that deep. But there was also – and then he also said, and then we'll sign Shattenkirk for a five-year deal. And there were a couple things there. Sorry, right, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We're going to get into this. This is good. good so guys. the first one I'll Russ, make. We have, we have we have the number one. Like there's no question that Russ. I I yeah. take whoever Kipper any day of the week in this kind of stuff. So tell us about the draft. All right. Well, basically about the draft. I'm I'm going to go back to I I pointed out, and I don't want to embarrass the writer, but there was a writer for the Hockey News, and I could find a million writers, but I found one from 2013 that basically said 2013 draft lacks depth. <laughs> so from 2013, I just started. Typing off names, Barkov, McKinnon, Monahan, Horvat, Domi, yeah. Wenberg, you know, there's Seth Jones, there's there's 
Druen. I was at that draft, and I can. I, we all were there, and that—that's what everybody was writing, right? That's what that, right. was, that was. That was the story because there. Well, was how did that turn out? Yeah, right. There's other guys. Yeah. There's there's Miles Wood. There's like there's a lot of other guys, right? Yes. And, and Gord Stellick, because he was a GM answer back, you know, the draft is always good, and his answer is closer to right because we just because we don't tag somebody as a star. Right. Going into the draft doesn't mean they won't be. I mean, Mike and I have been talking for half a year about Sebastian Ajo. Now, he was always tagged as a very good to excellent player. Yep. He may not have been tagged as a star, but now he looks like he could be a star. Yep. That's just something that happens. You know, teams develop players. Players get better training. All right. those things happen. And and so it's just it's, it makes me laugh that and, – and really the guys of this, because then somebody else tweeted back and said, well, Elliot Friedman has been saying the same thing because he's been talking to scouts. These are always the unnamed scouts. Yeah. Hockey news lives off the unnamed scouts. And now, and I don't know if Elliot's really using, you know, unnamed scouts, but whatever. This is what somebody told me. I, I all assume that that's the case. But the point is when you're getting just information, like little tidbits like that from scouts, do you really think they're telling you the truth? They're not telling you what they're thinking that they're yeah. going to tell their team. No, I, I, I don't. I, how many how many times have you sat you have sat there and you know I sat there with with a with with scouts in in the Flyers meet, lunchroom or whatever before a yeah. game and or yeah. whatever and sat there and kept with the, with you know the roving scouts who are in there who are you know throwing in the back of their Honda Civic you know three days worth of clothes yeah. drive up and down the East Coast to watch games and and they they will never say that kind of thing to you. No. Well, two two things. I don't doubt that first round picks at this deadline will be easier to acquire than in 2015 or 2016 because those two drafts were loaded. Okay. So I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't doubt, I don't doubt that. All right. What is your trade first rounder right? for Shaq and Kirk, Mike? Not even knowing if you could sign him. And I thought the brashness that, well, that's, the that, that's going to be able to sign him is crazy. Yeah. See, that's, that's the thing. I mean, yeah. okay. The Maple Leafs are not in a position to seriously contend for a Stanley Cup this year, even if they add Kevin Shattenkirk. And this management with Shanahan and Lou Lamorello, and this, you know, I know that Mike Babcock wants to make the playoffs. He's driving his players to make the playoffs. That is un- completely understood. But the problem is, is that this organization is not in the habit. This is not. Brian Burke, this is not Dave Nonis, of trading first-round picks when you're not a playoff team. Right. And that's what, the, that's what is being advocated here, taking a, a, taking a shot in the dark at Shattenkirk for, as a rental for 15 to 20 games. And, oh, no, but they'll definitely sign him to a five-year deal. Right. The thing is, he probably wants a seven-year deal, and he right. probably wants $7 million. So right. you're trading a first-round pick to have the chance to talk to him for two months, and in the end, he may not want to play for Toronto. So that right. – Complete, it's completely an asinine scenario. And that, that's what I'm talking about. The, the Maple Leafs are not going to trade a first-round pick before the trade deadline for a rental player. They're not going to trade any asset for a rental player. In fact, I'm convinced that closer to the deadline, they may trade a, like a veteran guy like a Roman Polak to, to a team that's a contending team for a draft pick because they have eight defensemen on their NHL roster and it wouldn't be a significant drop-off from a Roman Polak to an Alexei Marchenko. I do not think the Maple Leafs are going to mortgage the future just for the now because that's not the plan. Yeah, yeah I don't disagree. And, but that's what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's all these leaps of faith, and I always get crazy about the draft thing, and I just get tired of hearing this, and I felt bad that I posted a link for somebody writing that in an article, but I could find 
an yeah, article that's, that's, every yeah, year. That's, that's just that's an example. You're right. Yeah, I, mean, I just used it as an example. There's hundreds. I mean, and yeah. and every year. I mean, almost every year you see you, there's different. I mean, and you know what kills me about the draft? I is this it, with reporters, and you know, Elliot knows a lot of these. These are these are really yes. you know, Kip, Kipper. These are these are really top guys. I'm not. Sure. I'm not. I'm not killing them. And for I know that. you're not killing them either. But but you know, my reality is this: like I am the first to admit that I don't know squat about the draft, and and I say that because I literally can't imagine covering rumors from 30 NHL teams and also trying to understand what's going on with prospects. Like what you do is a full-time gig that there's no question about it. And I cannot see, you know, any I'm not scouting guys 40 times a year, like the real scouts do. That's why I'm not a scout. Right. But even, but you have, but you're, you're keeping track of many, many players and you know, many, but you're the first to admit when you don't know somebody, you're like, I, I don't know that, you know, there's, there's how many people are playing hockey in this freaking world that are under 17 years old, you know, yeah. like this is a lot, there's a lot of people. And I think that it's very difficult. And, and when people go for the unknown scouts thing and they pretend to know about prospects, it really bothers me. I and mean, I know it bothers you. You won't even say it, but I know it bothers you. And it has bothered me. If I was you, it would bother you, it would bother me like crazy. Like, and I see people do it with the rumor world too, in the same way. You know, where they say, according to a source, you know, in St. Louis or whatever, and I'm talking to somebody who is like as high up as you can get in St. Louis, and I know that that's not true. But, you know, you can't ever come out and say it. You don't, you want to say it so many times, believe me. I'm sure you do many times. You see something out there like, wait, that's totally wrong. But, you know, you don't ever, you don't ever want to say I that. I let so much go, you have no idea. Oh, yeah, you never you can never say that because you just, I don't know, maybe you did talk to somebody or the chances are small. Right. But, you know, maybe somebody in the organization was drunk and said this to that. I don't know. But I just, I really... It, it's hard to be all things in the hockey world, you know, and, and some of these guys, they want to be all things, you know, and it's, it, it's really hard to do. I mean, I go back to that 2013 draft when, when that guy on CSN basically said to me, McKinnon will not be the number one pick. I'll bet my house on it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, then he was, and <laughs> I didn't go back and post, you know, Hey, give me the keys. But, <laughs> but like, that's the kind of stuff you get. And, there's different levels of guys like me, you know, and yeah, but the easiest, laziest answer is always to say, yeah, I caught to a couple guys. It's just not that deep. Right. Right. And that, and that kind of statement is, is just, is so absurd. That is like saying, you know, just, Americans just, aren't that angry. Like, or, right. just, or saying, you know, just yeah. like throw something totally vague that you can't, I mean, you can just sit there and say, it's not that deep. The reality of, of it is this, like just, I talked to me about this the other day and it's funny that you just carry this discussion and I did and I, and I'm not, and I, I'm going to tell you what they said to me because I said, how do you judge the draft versus, you know, this draft versus other drafts versus other drafts? And his comment was really interesting. He's like, every draft is better than the last draft. And I said, why? He's like, well, because for one reason, in general, the training is better and players are better. That's true. He's like, you can have the top guys who maybe are better that, that, you know, you can take the top four or five guys or whatever and even the first round. But you get beyond the first round, rounds two through whatever, are better every year, he said, yeah. because players are just, they're, they're eating better when they're kids, they're working harder, they're training harder, and this is, so every draft is better, it has more players for you than the last just, draft. Just to take 2013 as an example, and, and where, the, where the Leafs are right now, and say they made the playoffs without Shattenkirk and won a round. You know who the 20th pick in the, in the first round of the 2013 draft was? Anthony Mantha. Yep. You can get good players in a, quote, average or okay draft anywhere if your scouting staff can find out 
you know what you know what that player is and, and it's taken a little while from Anthony. I've probably taken some heat for that and now how does he look? Yeah. yeah. So I mean you're right. I mean the, the Maple, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. The Ma- the Maple Leafs are two or three years away from being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender when people drafted in this draft will just beginning to be starting their entry level contract. So you don't give up assets like that right. in a deal to whole plug a defense that needs two or three defensemen, which right. is what they do. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm just saying like, okay, it's nice that the, there's excitement because the Leafs have been terrible the last few years. The euphoria is understandable because they have not made, they have not won a round in a playoff since 2004. But what I'm saying is cool your jets because this team will be good if the, if the organization and the management pre- preaches and practices the patience that they've talked about the last few years. I agree with that. You know, my favorite, my favorite experience, my favorite thing in this is, is, is here. Um, my favorite example is this. To me, the, the, most, the most underrated draft was actually the year after that, 2014, which was, you know, now that, that was the one in Philadelphia. Yeah, that was the Ekblad draft. Okay, so Ekblad's the number one guy taken in the draft, and you could say, okay, you're comparing. Let's compare Ekblad to um, McDavid or Eichel or you know, I mean, or or you know, Matthews. Yeah. I, I, he's not in that world, right? Ekblad's not in that world. Fine, he's a defenseman though, so it's different. So it's hard to compare him, but he's one of the better defensemen. I mean, he could be, you know, Chris Pronger. So let's say, okay, you know, let's compare him to Chris Pronger, whatever. That's who I have to compare him to. I think that's where Ekblad could go. Right. That draft, you know, you look down the first draft, right round, and it's still young on this draft, of course, but you got some oh, yeah. players in this draft. And, you know, it's just like Dylan Larkin was taken 15th in that draft. Yeah. You know, 15th in that draft. Um, Inexplicably, too. I mean, look at Nick Ehlers. I mean, I can't remember how much I've talked about Nick Ehlers, and it took him a little while, but now you look at his numbers, he's got 85 points in 130 games, and he's a very young player. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and you, I mean, this is you, Robbie Fabry's, and and you know, is taken twenty yeah. first uh, in that draft. You know, and obviously you've got some of the top guys. I mean, Pasternak was taken twenty fifth. Right, not Nylander, William Nylander at eight. You know, um, yeah. just like and and Dreisaitl, who might be is the second best player on the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, Zavorak's up to twenty points in fifty games. We did talk about him because he had knee injuries. Right. Arizona was smart enough to take them. They're getting use out of them. So, I mean, this, the, the best players in this draft, I mean, it really is kind of – you go through, you know, and, it, you know, even in round two, you go through some really players. And this is, again, this is 2014. It's still relatively young to judge yeah. this draft class. Like, it's – you're right at the point where you can start to judge them, I think. I mean, Victor Arvidsson's doing well. He was a fourth-rounder. I mean, you, again, and, and you, Braden Point's doing well. He's a third-rounder. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, when you go through it, you're really kind of you're kind of amazed by it, and it just my it, favorite Kevin LeBanc, the six rounder. Yeah, I mean, there. I'm just going through <laughs> looking at these, and you're just wow, these guys are good. And this, <laughs> so the reality is, you know, I think what the scout said to me is honestly 100 percent true. Like he's I think right. No, he's right. That and and the reason and it is so much true that you know that the best players that we get when we get a superstar like a McDavid or a Matthews, they are so much better than the superstars you got 10 years ago. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. Okay, yeah. they are. So, therefore, the third rounders are going to be so, are equally so much better than the third rounders you got 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, who are the only teams that trade first rounders? It's the teams that are contending. The right. Teams that right. have picks at the end of the first round, the teams that are looking to add players right, right and now. And I know where you're going with this because you're right on. You're right on. Yeah. 
and that and that's and that that's what we're talking about. We're talking and okay, the one exception to the rule this deadline will be Chicago because they host the draft. Right. But other than that, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Washington, all those teams, the first round pick is expendable if they can get something that, that can help them win now. And that's I think the attitude that those teams take, but not teams like Buffalo or Toronto or Carolina that are in the process of building and need more assets down the line. That's where I think this, you know, this flexibility of trading a first round pick is a little off kilter because, you know, they still need assets and they, those teams were still going to keep their first round picks because, you know, they do need assets. Yep. How about because Nets up, 2014 draft? Yeah. Kind of like crazy. I mean, Jonathan Duran, of course, you know, just like. That's the 13 draft. 13, yeah. That's the 13. That's 13. Sorry, wrong. Right. Oh, the 13. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the 13 we were talking about, though. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean Duran is just starting to come into his own. Right, right, right. right. And that, you know, we're ta- and we're talking four years out here. We're talking that that draft is. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I might be wrong with Kuznetsa, too. I'm sorry. I was bringing up the wrong list there. I was bringing up top prospects since the 2000 yeah, yeah. draft. Sorry. That's fine. I but 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 it's a good no, but it's a good point. I mean, and that's and that's really all I try and drive home is I stay away from statements like that. It's, yeah. it's silly. Pasternak, there is a 2014. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, he's a he's he's one of the best players on the Boston Bruins right now, and yeah. and you know is enormously important, right? So that's 25th overall. Yeah, 25th overall. You've said that. Sorry. Um, oh, it's okay, but it's it's amazing. Like it, it's like it really he's got 25 goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And I think people look at Reinhardt and Bennett and stuff like that, and they say, "Oh, they, you know, they were top pick, but they're not taken. They haven't done." I know. I know. Honestly, good players. I mean, they're still really good players. I don't understand. And you know, you'd think. I mean, I'm not. I've never been known exactly as the biggest Saber fan, but I, I will come to the defense of the Sabers organization when it comes to Sam Reinhardt. He is a very good young player. Yeah. Just because you lost the lottery and didn't get Ekblad is right. no reason to be to bemoan the fact that you have Sam Reinhardt. He's a quality player. He scores. He's. He's. He, you know. He's. I think. I think. You know. He probably isn't going to be a center in the NHL, but he's a very good winger. He can score. He can score. He can play pretty pretty decent defensively. He's a good. He's a foundation building player. It's not somebody that you throw away or somebody that you bemoan. I mean, I think this. I think the Sabers honestly, it's the fact that they they finished thirtieth tw- two years in a row. They lost the lottery twice, and they think they got some sort of consolation prize because they got Reinhardt and Eichel. Be happy with what you got. You got. I think. I think a lot of people dismissed Drysidle, and especially when he started off a little slow. I mean, again. He had to learn North American hockey. It wasn't like it was going to be the easiest, smoothest transition. How do you like him now? And, I, and like and, I said, I think he might be the second best player on that team. And yeah. I really, I really do feel that way. I mean, I think that he is, at, you know, he is phenomenal and and really just has all kinds of talent. And, and he saw it talked about. Nobody talks about Leon Draisaitl. And, and I know, it's because of all the other issues that happened. I mean, with Hall and 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 you know Nugent Hopkins and all these other players that came through, and, and you know. Hall's a great player too. Nugent Hopkins had his issues, Everly. But I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna rank the best players in in that myriad of first overall or second or second or first or second overall picks that they had in Edmonton, you know, I'm going with I'm going with Drysdale as the second best right now. I think Russ, he's leading. He's leading the Oilers in goals. Right, and Russ, the same the the same thing is happening with the Oilers with Pulleyarvi. He didn't. He didn't right. jump out and have great success right yeah. away. He played half a season, then they sent him sent him to the American Hockey League. 
probably was the best thing for him because yeah, that, was, really that was possible. Like if you looked at my preseason rankings, I even said if he stays there because right. we all knew there was a maturity thing physically and mentally that may not have been ready. That happens. And also in Edmonton, we know that that can be that can take a different amount of time. Yeah. Like it because because when you're around that many young players like that, that I, I really think there's a problem with that. I think that at the end of the day, I think that becomes an issue. Um, yeah, when you're when there's one or two young superstars around. It's very different than when there's five or six of them. Yes, because the, the, the whole dynamic goes. The dynamic changes, and the way the way you view yourself as a young player, you know, but, when you think I'm one of the young guys, I'm you know, I'm great. I'm going to be able. It's, it changes when you know you're suddenly like Drysaddle, who's been in the shadows of all these other players. But that's been that's been the perpetual problem for Edmonton over oh, the yeah, last. Oh no, it has been, and that's yeah. why we talked about the fact that maybe they should have traded one of those picks, or perhaps they should have perhaps they should have thought about you know going for a defenseman or a different kind of player and they draft too many of the same player. I mean, even if, okay, even if they kept the same, kept the players that they have, how about letting that player play in junior an extra year? How about letting Pugliarvi play in the finish, in the finish league an extra year and not rush him into the lineup as an 18 year old and throw him to the wolves. They haven't learned that. Now, of course they got away with it with, with McDavid because McDavid is a, is a, you know, phenom. Yeah. He's on a different level. He's on a different level. He could jump into the NHL as an 18-year-old and dominate, which he has. But yeah. Dreisaitl, uh, Pugliarvi, go go back to Yakupov, go back you know even further to, to guys like uh, Nugent Hopkins as an 18-year-old or Hall as an 18-year-old. Why do you keep repeating the same thing over and over again when most of the time it hasn't worked? Right, and that's why most teams don't draft with immediate need in mind Mm-hmm. Once in a while, you can get away with it. You're drafting first overall, second overall, you can get away with that. But once you start slipping past fifth overall, you even third overall, you, you can't really look at it that way. Yeah. You can't expect your guy to make it right away. You've got to be able to project where you're going to be three years down the line. might take three years, even for a top three pick. might still take longer than that. But that's, but that's what you have to do. You can't just draft at a need like that. I go back to when the Rangers drafted Dylan McElrath. And, you know, and the quote was they needed toughness. And I was like, well, how long will it take that toughness to get to the NHL? It took a long time. By the time I got there, the NHL didn't need toughness. Right. Anymore. And that's what happens too in drafts. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, t- there's crazy. I mean, that's the crazy reality of that, right? So, um, all right, let's move on. But that's a yeah, great discussion. Um, and we'll have that discussion a lot more, I'm sure. In after yeah, as we get down the stretch. Because there's good stuff with that. Um, so there's an article on the score today. Um by from the, by um by Josh Goldsmith, Blackhawks GM makes compelling argument for three point in regulation win. All right, so uh, we talked about this yesterday. So here, this is this is I want to listen to Stan Bowman, and we have to decide whether or not Stan Bowman watches our show. Ready? Here we go. Okay. All right. The other side of it, which no one talks about, Stan says, is if you have three points, you can make up a lot of ground. There's always talk that, of how it's going to separate teams, but you can make up ground quicker. If you win seven games in a row in regulation, that's a lot better than seven games in a row in overtime, Bowen said. I think we brought up the number seven. I swear numbers that that came up. That I think it would get teams that you could, you could get hot. There would, be more se- there would be more separation, but there would also be more hope. Right now, it's so hard to make up ground than anybody because every night you can win five in a row and really not move up because other teams are getting points when they're losing. You know, and this, this, this revelation came yesterday. Well, we do um, want to welcome Stan as a viewer. There's no doubt. <laughs> yes, I want to, well, thanks, Stan, for watching. You know, feel free to subscribe. Um, no, but anyway, even if he isn't, I mean, 
the thing about this is really funny. And you know, Peter DeBoer is in, is is also interviewed in this article. Um, so someone maybe just had an idea to do a three point maybe, or maybe somebody watching wanted to write an article about this. Um, but uh, Stan, so he, Peter DeBoer says, uh, I didn't used to be a fan of it. Um, when it brought up when it was brought up a few years ago, I wasn't really a fan, but I'm becoming more and more of a fan of it. I really like the parity the two point system has when where nobody's out of it and having coached some teams that legitimately should have been out of it. It was nice to be able to walk into the room and say, Hey, we're only three or four points out. When really you got six or six teams to climb over. I like the part that part of it. But on the flip side, I think you should be there should be a bigger reward for winning and winning in regulation because typically the best teams can do that and they should be rewarded for that. But it's really funny for, you know, obviously. Because well, he has gone from one one facet to the other. He went from that, yeah, we're trying to desperately claw up the ladder to being at the top of the ladder. Right. And so, so DeBoer, you know, obviously had some teams in New Jersey, like you said, that legitimately shouldn't have been in it. Right. were in it. Um, and, you know, it's just, and I always liked him. He's a great guy. And really, just, a that's guy. a really straight – that's a very rare you get a quote so honest as that, you know. Well, you got to remember, he, he, he's a lawyer, and he's a lawyer in the U.S. and in Canada. Right, right. Right. So he's a pretty smart guy. So, yeah. So let's move into some rumored talk here. Um, right now, uh, <laughs> Montreal, kind of all eyes are on Montreal um, because people are expecting them to do something here in this, you know, this their bye week. And you they're know, not going to do anything in their bye week. Zero. Seems like they're not going to do anything. I don't think that's true. I think they are going to. I think they are not going to do anything with their coach in the bye week. I agree with that. No, I don't think they're going to do anything. I think they are going to do something. We'll find out. We'll find out. But I think that I do think that Montreal is, is trying to make. And I, you know, I was talking to Adrian. But they might be trying. Yeah, I was talking to Adrian Dater yesterday about this a little while. And um, okay. his podcast is out there you can listen to. And he was saying that, um, you know, he's heard the same thing in Colorado that basically the concept is, you know, Montreal needs to go for they need they need to go for a guy like Duchesne to get scoring. They need scoring there terribly badly. And they have the young prospects. Their window is open. They have Carey Price, like Mike said, a couple more years for sure, probably longer. But still, they they don't know that. And they have to sit there and they have to make something happen now. And their 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 GM has the apparently has, and I talked to somebody about this today, has the ability to make this move. There are you know you wonder about that sometimes. Can, can he move up? Can he move some prospects? He does. He has. That. When I was told, and I don't. There's really no reason for this person because they know I'm not going to say their name to tell me anything but the truth. That they're going to uh, that, that he has the ability to make this to make that trade. Um, I said, is there anybody off that, that he can't move? Next thing, no, no, he has. He does. The the ownership trusts trust him. So um, so the GM's sitting there, and he's an aggressive GM. So uh, putting all that together, I got the sense that they will make a move with Col- and Colorado could be the could be the team. That being said, just after I put my between the time of my vlog up and the half hour that went to this show, I talked to somebody with the Islanders um, who said that you know that Hamannik's back on the table with Colorado. Now that could mean you know Colorado has basically demanded Hamannik in any deal in any deal that comes with the Islanders. Um, color, you know, whether we're talking about Landis Gog or we're talking about Duchesne, Hamnick's got to be a part of it. We talked in last year, you know, there was all thought, okay, Hamnick wouldn't be moved, wouldn't be moved, well, had to be moved because he wanted to be moved. Then he said no. Um, this year he struggled a bit. So, whatever. It, it sounds as if, and that, talking to that person, I came to the conclusion again that, because he said this, and he brought up this, and I brought up this last night because I talked to somebody yesterday as well. I brought this up, excuse me, on Adrian Dater's show that. There's a feeling in the island that they need to get Tavares another one of these Canadian guys, Canadian skilled players that he's uh-huh. played with in the Olympics and on Team Canada. And the fact that one of those is available, even though he's another center, 
even though you know even though you're looking at a different situation um, then they probably would be ideal to have a winger but Tavares you know comes from that team Canada world um, Duchesne is another one of those Team Canada guys who played, you know, in Olympics, played for Team Canada in various Duchesne different. Duchesne will play the wing too. It doesn't. He can play the wing too. That this is the this is the best opportunity the Islanders are going to have um, to get to get a guy for Tavares who fits the fits everything that they Tavares would want to have. Now, mm-hmm. there's varying reports out there and very on how important this is. Um, and I we all think naturally, logically, that Tavares wants to get. A guy like this, uh, you know, because he wants to keep, you know, to play with the Islanders. You need to show that they're trying to win and all that. We need skilled players to play with. Um, and then there are people who really legitimately say that Tavares is not going anywhere no matter what. That he's really that he has said that he said to try to take the pressure off. That he's even told him that he's like, but you still go out and go out and do something. But don't feel like you have to. Like Tavares is the kind of guy I could see saying this to them. Don't you know? Don't go out of your way to like make me happy if it's going to hurt the team long term. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can see Tavares being the kind of guy who yes. says that because he reads the reports, he sees all this stuff, and it's like, yeah. you know, but the pressure, I don't think, I don't, the pressure is mounting no matter what, no matter how you slice it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there's definitely a certain amount of pressure there. You you could feel it, but the locker room's loose, and and right now, Waits got him in a good spot. Waits confident. So if they did it, they could really gain a lot of momentum from it. Well, yeah. among, among the things that we talked about yesterday about Montreal, but you know, we, you know, Weber, there's a limited time before he starts to drop off in price and everything else. Elliot Friedman brought up something that I, I didn't factor in, but it's going to be, it has to be a factor in what Bergevin is thinking. Al Skelchenyuk is an RFA this year. He, and we're, he's already taken a bridge deal. He's going to expect big money. And we're talking not, you know, four million. We're talking five and a half to six million. Uh, you know, that is a factor with the Canadians in terms of, okay, there's more. There's another guy we have to spend big big money on. Can we clear other guys out? I, I think it's motivation to make the run now because you know there's all these contributing factors to them having other problems in other areas this summer and going forward. So I, I think. Bergman has to make his move now to get you know an impact forward because you know and now right now they're not playing well maybe it's the best thing that they they had their buy and they can sort of get their house reorganized and and get going once that buy is over with but I they, I think they need help they need help they've needed help the last few years I will tell you this there's a stat and you know a lot of times I'm loose with certain stats but this one is really, I think, significant, especially for this year, the way the bye has affected teams. Mm. Teams are like three and eight coming off the bye. Like, teams are bad coming off yeah. the bye. Right. Yeah, they are. And I, they, we've seen that. I don't know that it's totally un, unexpected, but, yeah, you're right. Um, and that's the last thing they need. They have to right. somehow buck that trend. Yeah, I, I don't – it's interesting because with Galchenyuk and, and um, Terrian, there seems to be like an either-or situation in my mind. Yeah, um, you know, like because I think I don't think Elchenyuk has definitely been one of those guys that I mean, Terrian has given him a lot of time and then, but has really messed with him as far as where he's played him throughout his career. Mm-hmm. And you know, now he has to play him all the time because he, he doesn't have any other scoring. But right, but he's been, but he's moved him back to the wing a couple times this year because yeah, yeah. To, 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 in weird situations like to get Deharnay more time at center, like things like that just really yeah. don't make any sense to me. Like that, you just why would you move Elchenyuk to get Deharnay more time? You know, like. Wow. Um, 
Maybe maybe because they're trying to trade DeHarnay. Because I mean, this is one this is one of the things, and you know, I'm thinking sort of outside the box for the deadline. There are going to be teams that have significant cap space that team other teams that are looking to make deals will try to trade a guy like DeHarnay, who's a UFA, just to create cap space. I mean, Montreal needs cap space to make a move for a Martin Hansel or a, a Matt Duchesne. DeHarnay is somebody they want to get rid of. A team like, and I'm, you know, far be it from Toronto to want to help Montreal, but a team like Toronto that has thir- over 13 million in players who qualify for long-term injury, LTIR, in, in Horton, Lupo, and Robida, they can move a player off of, uh, onto LTIR and create cap space to take on a player simply to get future assets, draft picks or prospects. And Montreal has a ton of those. So, and, and, and Toronto did that last year with Brooks like taking him on from Washington, uh, taking the dump contract of Rafi Torres from San Jose. It's not above Lou Lamorello to do a deal like that. So I think maybe not Montreal, but maybe another team out there that's looking to shed cap space. Yeah. I think Toronto is going to be, and the market to be able to do that again. Well, I was looking to Arizona for that if I was looking to a place to go. Um, and yeah, but they're capped out, Eck. They they they've already they've already taken Pronger. They've already taken Datsuk. They can't do it anymore. Sorry, right. sorry about that. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. So I think again, and I see this in the media that it's being projected with Alex Galchenyuk because he was taken third overall that he must be a number one center. Right. I always looked at him as number one was your. He's absolute zenith, but he seemed like a number two to me, but he could be a number one. And I still think that's what he is. And yeah. But again, now because the Canadians aren't scoring enough, it's not good enough. He's like fourth or fifth in team in, in goals. He's not having a terrible year. He's got 29 points in 37 games because he was injured. So the percentage there of scoring is good. It's not all on him, but a lot of this is being placed on him because of yeah. where he was picked in the draft, and I can't stand it because this guy is producing. This guy in his career has 189 points in 312 games. He, considering he's 23 years old, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's really not. It, it really is. I mean, and but when you're a Canadian, then it's not good enough. Like in I mean, the media, compared to what they have going, I mean, they've got nothing else going. Like this is a team with one with one first line and three third lines. That's that's how I call the Canadians right now. And I think that honestly, they really have they really don't have any. I mean, they're not scoring goals at all. And if they they cannot depend on Carey Price to be the best goal in the history of time every night of the year. I mean, it's it's completely. I mean, he's done a lot for them, and he's you can hear it in his voice too. When Carey Price is interviewed lately, I don't know if, if I heard it the other day, it was just like wow, he was really. Just like it, it's hard to go to Carey Price about if you're a reporter after a game to go to Carey Price about what went wrong because even though Carey Price has struggled as of late, it's still very hard to look at Carey Price and say so what's so what's wrong with this team you know because he's he's it's usually not Carey Price that's the problem <laughs> so he's sitting yeah. there and he's not going to sell people down the river on it so he's kind of in a weird spot you can tell but he was not happy to talk about it at all. Well, I, I, we got I got to I got to talk about this because it came up yesterday. And it has to do with Duchesne. Uh, Bruce Garriott from the Ottawa Sun reported that the proposed offer for Matt Duchesne that that Sackick is looking for from the Senators, you'll love this, Russ, Mm -hmm. Cody Cece, their 2017 first-round pick, either Colin White or Shabbat plus. 
for for just Duchesne. Yeah, it's crazy. And I and I, and I want to have Valentine's Day dinner with Jessica Chastain. Right. I mean, I mean, be be. I mean, you be can still serious. tweet to her, Mike. It's not too late. I will right now. I will tweet to her right now for Mike, on Mike's behalf to see if we yeah, can. Get thank, thank you. Thank you very much. But be be serious here. This goes completely. Now this could be just like I mean, because right. we can't take it as as like the gospel, but it's the idea of it's probably something like this. I mean, so so much for so much for the price of being. I mean, maybe this was an offer that was made over the weekend, and maybe the price is lowered. I but, think I think this was an offer that was made quite a while ago. My okay, but, but this I mean this is this is bordering bordering on absurdity because you know no organization, especially one like Ottawa, who you know they're going to make the playoffs this year, but they're still in the process of you know they're 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 a limited organization in terms of spending money. They're not going to trade cheap assets like Shabbat or Colin White in a deal to get Duchesne, who's only under contract for two more years. You're talking about players said to me last night that Duchesne is starting to really like not to sulk around the locker room, really being upset about this. Like it actually has finally, and and it's, he is a happy go lucky guy. That's that's that to me that that's why it hit me too, Russ. Like to hear that Duchesne was upset about this was really surprising because first of all, he's very professional about everything he does. And you know that he, he's been in this situation before, but he, and he's a happy guy. He's a good guy. So, the, that's why you know agents is really starting to feel serious because he's just he's really unhappy about all this stuff. Yeah, I don't blame him. Hey, something else to come to Mark Bergevin's aid a little bit. You know, we we talk about Philip Deno and he does have ten goals and and twenty assists. It's pretty good. No, yeah, know, he was part of the trade for Fleischman and Weiss, and they got a second round pick in twenty eighteen. That yeah. is a heck of a trade for Montreal. Yeah. You really think about that, considering right, yeah. Dale Weiss is not doing what we thought he would do for Philly that he did for Montreal. And so right. he traded them. They got to know who's a center. I used to always talk about Mark Kel- to Mark Kelly, the director of scouting, uh, amateur scouting for the Blackhawks, on our show about Dano, and he was always pretty high in them. Now, somewhere along the line, he got tabbed as a defensive center, but he's good offensively too. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, yeah. again, this has been a guy that's been very valuable. I know this isn't a big name, but – he added them for almost nothing. So I think, yeah. unfortunately, and, I think that's what they're, they're going to end up doing again. And Weiss did absolutely nothing with the Blackhawks. He right. didn't Zero. That, uh, yeah. So this yeah, was a steal. Yeah. It was a steal. deal. No question about it. Um, the other trade I talked about today, and then we can move on to one other thing before we go. But um, the other trade I talked about was was possibly was, was Yarrow Halak. And Halak has been um, killing it for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Um, Ten wins in a row, I think it is. Point nine four, whatever. Some friend, save save percentage. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I was over. I was over to over nine thirty. And, and the, this is the, this is the thing that complicates things because I mean, based on his performance, and based on the fact that there are a number of teams out there that need a backup goaltender, Halak would be a, a a great get for those teams. The problem is. He's not a free agent at the end of the year. He's got another year at four and a half million. And the only way I can see the Islanders being able to get anything for him is to retain salary on him because the the only other option is at the end of this year, the Islanders are going to buy him out. The buyout would spread out over two years. If they traded him and retained salary, it would only have cap ramifications for this year and next year. So right. that would be benef- more beneficial for them. But, you know, if, if a team like Columbus now who all of a sudden – thinks they need a backup goaltender or uh, Boston or somebody like that needs a backup goalie and they retain 50% of the salary, then I think the Islanders could get something for Halak. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Boston's the, the Boston's the team that I was writing about, the Boston team I've heard about the most. I think Columbus need significant salary. That's just the only way. Yeah, I mean, and I do agree with some of what some people have commented about it. You know, in the in the comment thread, and also replied on Twitter about why aren't the Islanders just keeping him? You know, like why aren't the Islanders just bringing him back into play if he's that playing that well? And the problem I think remains is is the, for whatever reason he's not their guy right now. I think he they they feel like it's been there, done that, and Grice showed something last year, so now they're willing to ride him. They gave him a new contract, so that clearly they have right. more faith in Grice. And this is a typical thing with Halak, which is not going to say – I mean, Halak is not Tim Thomas, but he, there are similarities in, in their careers because of the fact that, you know, Halak and Thomas, I've been told, both didn't look particularly great in practices. Like, you know, you put them out there in practices and they, yeah. some of these goalies like, are phenomenal. These, neither of these guys look great in practices. Both of them are relatively small. You know, like Halak is smallish, Thomas is smallish. They're both not – they don't really look like incredible well, athletes, you know. Um, this but they both have this ability to win huge games and have both, you know, and it took Thomas forever to, to win over the Bruins to give him the chance to start. Halak has now been in how many situations where he's been overlooked? Well, this is the, this is the fourth team, the fourth team that he's basically lost out a, a, a goaltending battle with. I mean, obviously Montreal, the Islanders, St. Louis, he lost to Brian Elliott. He got traded to Buffalo. Buffalo really didn't have a goaltender at that point, And they moved him out without even thinking. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's been situations where he, he's just, I mean, he's not a fit. Now I think he's a fit as a backup goaltender. Um, but it's, I think the Islanders are going with grace simply because the team plays better in front of them and they, you know, they rallied behind him in the playoffs last year and they see, and ever since they sent a down and they've gone with mostly grace and Baruby, they're eight, two and two. Why mess with success? I mean, but just because they moved him out, Mike, doesn't mean they don't regret it. I have a feeling Boston regrets moving out Martin Jones so quickly, and we we talked about yeah. it before. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. And Halaka, you know, has. I mean, look what the guy did in Montreal with a playoff run. We'll never forget that was one of the great playoff runs. Obviously, what he's what he did in the Olympics with in Vancouver, you know, was was with um, with Slovakia when they beat um, they beat the Russians. That was a crazy situation. I was at that game, and that was phenomenal. That you know, he was like he was off his, he was out of his mind. And yep. then taking Team Europe to the final yeah. World Cup of Hockey, I mean, there, it just a couple months ago. So really, this 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 is a guy who has shown that he's great in clutch situations. He is the perfect backup to get. Like, it, and if you can get him, you know, I you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate for a second. I know four million is a lot for a backup for one more year, but if you're a team that has you know no you know this this would be the kind of guy that the Flyers had one goalie who was UFA they should go get you know like if they had if, if yeah. they only had Mason and then they had some guy who was a you know who was a minor league goalie as their backup and they were a serious playoff team this would be a great guy to go get you know because this right. would be a situation where if you don't have a signed goalie for next year Halak could perhaps be that guy and if not you know but, you only have one more year of him Halak is running into the same problem that Dallas is running in with Niemi and with Lettinen. you've got that extra year. You know, Lettinen won a Stanley Cup, uh, or I mean, Niemi won a Stanley Cup. Lettinen has been a good goaltender in the past in the yeah. league. The problem is Lettinen makes five point nine million, Niemi makes four point five million, and so does Halak. And team, if if teams, if those guys were all free agents, you'd probably find teams that would be willing to take them on with a reduced salary. But that's the problem. It's like you to to make Halak worth your while. If you're Boston, he's got to be at fifty percent of what he's making right now. If if the Islanders retain fifty percent of the salary, they could move him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, finally, the bean pot is yeah. uh, has been won by the Harvard oh. Crimson. Yep. Crimson Tide. Um, 
proving that Jimmy Vc was not holding them back. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, first, first time since 93. I mean, I wish I could have gotten to actually see the game, but I'd have to spend yeah. extra money for Nesson to do it in low def, and I refuse to watch anything in low <laughs> yeah, def. Yeah, watching hockey in low def is, like, ridiculous. But I did watch a lot of highlights and such. Um, Flyers goaltending prospect Merrick Madsen, again, looked really great. He's been getting more fit every year as far as looking bigger and stronger. He has always been a good goalie, but when they drafted him, he was – so skinny like he was yeah. ridiculously skinny he was ryan miller skinny and but now you know what he's this is i think his third year and every year i've been watching him and every year he's been getting better and better and this year this is a big win for them i mean ted donato is a name that we haven't really talked about much for coaching but it's going to happen and he might wait until ryan's done with school he's got a couple more years and so that's the thing. We'll see where Ted Donato's at when, when Ryan's ready to play in the NHL for the Boston Bruins. You know, so if Bruce Cassidy doesn't work out, it wouldn't shock me if Ted Donato is the name that, that comes up because that's something where he's, he's bringing Harvard to places that they haven't been before in a long time. I've been impressed with him ever since he took over. I talked to players. They loved playing for him. You know, VC loved playing for him. So that's that's a big deal. So Clayton Keller also had two goals. I don't expect to see him in college next year. I think he'll be playing for Arizona. Yeah, I would be shocked if it's and unless he decides he wants to doesn't win a champion. If he doesn't win a championship and is hell bent on winning one, then he might go back another year. Jake Ottinger, a goalie for Boston College, who is a uh, potential first rounder this year. I don't think he was as bad as the six three score. There was an empty netter and one was a five on three goal. I think he played okay. He didn't face a ton of shots. But, again, it's hard as a freshman goalie when you're playing in, in these big pressure pack situations. So I think – I still think his standing is is pretty good too. And then there was one thing that we, we did text about last night that I think we should bring up about Sergei Bobrovsky. We watched that Ranger-Columbus yeah. game, and with everything on the line – and Flyers fans know about this too – with everything on the line, I felt like that was a great play by Jimmy Vc, but I also felt like – Sergey Bobrovsky really could have covered the short side better on that goal. Like, and, and that turned out to be the game winner. That was tough. That goal, what was it, like five minutes to go in the game? Something yeah. like that? Probably six we, minutes, yeah. Yeah, we've seen him. We've seen Bob had those lapses before. And even though he's a Vezina goalie, this is something where I kind of wonder if he'll ever win the big game because of that. Yeah. And it was it was one of those it was one of those goal you know you know I know people get tired of hearing that thing about Grant Fear back in the day you know Grant Fear would make the the right save at the right time even though the game was four three or six five he would make yeah. that save at the right time well Columbus had just tied up that game two two yeah. all the momentum was going in their direction all the emotion yeah. was going in their direction yeah. and and then VC scores that goal and you could just feel the balloon deflate. And, and I tweeted, and I didn't tweet the whole game, but I said that goal stunned Bobrovsky. Like I could see yeah, yeah, yeah. that that really got him. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And it, it'll be, um, I mean, he, Bobrovsky, the only thing I say about that is Bobrovsky has been pretty good in pressure situations for, you know, team Russia. Um, yes. And that's about as high a pressure situation as you can be in. So I'm not, I'm not so sure. I mean, it was a, it was a bad goal. I think. I, I mean, think, go back, go back and think about his Flyers career. You can go back and you'll, well, no, there were there were there were moments very early on where we remember where he wouldn't play because he was so nervous to play, and I mean that was there was a time when 
there was a game I remember in the playoffs where he was supposed to play and didn't play because, but he was really young. Uh, and, even um, the Winter Classic, right? We looked at that. Remember? Yeah. I mean, no, there have been moments for sure, and and it's it's valid. I mean, and he's and he's vital to that team's success. So yes, yeah, I don't. It's a valid. It's a valid question, and and we'll it'll be interesting to see how he goes in the playoffs because he'll he'll get a shot, and we'll see how it yeah. plays out. But I, I don't think a backup is a bad idea there. Um, they have been getting some half decent play from their backups in Columbus as of late. I mean, but Broski actually has struggled a little bit more than their backups have the last few games. Um, but yeah, I think that that's going to, I don't know. It's not bad. One thing I wanted to bring up too is um, that Dane Jordy shorthanded goal was an ugly goal. Like that. There have been some bad goals and Bobrovsky is prone to that, you know? And and the thing about Bobrovsky that has always been the case. And and he, he had, he shares this with, uh, I think Michael Neuberth um, and a couple other goalies who play that same kind of style is that, you know, when they're playing poorly, they are, they go poor quickly and bad. Um, And they, and mainly because, people know that when they're playing poorly, they will go down quickly and they, and going and that the open part of the net up top becomes really wide. Um, and you'll see that with guys like, you know, and they're swimming back and forth. They're always, they're, they're hurting. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska can make some, um, he's as quick as anybody. Same with, you yeah. know, Neuber, the same way. I mean, they're just crazy quickness, but they can go down on outside shots, especially if you take shots from outside. I mean, Neuber's rebound control drives me crazy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. They just cough up the puck. Sometimes it's crazy. Had to mention German Rubsov for a second, who yes. um, who was really just who was come over from the KHL to the Q to the Q. This is the guy who was the 18 year old who was the Flyers drafted in in the first round and late in the first round, I believe. Well, when they had their draft last year, um, and uh, he has now put up 16 points in including six goals and is a plus 10 in his first 10 games um, with Chikatumi in the um, in the QHL. <laughs> And Chikutami, uh, sorry, Chikutami. It's hard. Sometimes I mispronounce too. Chikutami, um, in the queue. And from all reports I've talked to people, he has looked phenomenal. Like um, just and and hit posts all over the place, and, and should have a lot more points than. He, uh-huh. And I know that yesterday when it was interesting, I, I found this out because yesterday when I was doing some searching around, I heard a couple rumors involving the Flyers. His name came up, um, and I was like, "Wow, you know, why would somebody like you know why would they move him?" But, you know, if, if the Flyers were to get in on somebody like a Duchesne, there's the prospect that would probably be included, right? So that- yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess, and again, you know, I'm sure Ron Hextall has this list very close to the vest because everything's very close to the vest. Yeah. I'm going to guess he's an untouchable because Ron yeah. Hextall loves his centerman. Yeah. He, he, this kid is strong. This kid is fast. This kid is smart. He – he sh- he got hurt in the World Juniors, but he still looked good for a little while there. Yeah. And and then I like the fact that so much of the way he was rooting on his team at the World Juniors was showed me how how much of a good teammate yeah. he was. His teammates love him, and I, I just think I get why you would want a Duchesne, but there's a possibility Rupstoff could be better than Duchesne, and that's the risk that you yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't yeah. think he'll take it. And if Ron if Ron Hextall is 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 Talking a deal for a Duchesne or a Landeskog, somebody of that nature, he's going to trade from his area of strength. Yes. He's going to move one of those defensemen because he can afford to move a Sandheim. I do agree with that. And I don't, I don't now they may throw in like Nick Cousins, who is a really right. good player. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of prospect you would see as well if you were going, if it were, say, Sandheim or something like that. But right. I, um, you know, I, and I, there's a couple, there's a couple good YouTube videos on this guy if you're interested in watching him play. And there's one that's really good um, that if you just search him in 2017, you'll see in his first game when he played for in the queue, 
they, they just, somebody did a um, ISO on him basically throughout the whole game. And yeah, he really did he get a, like a two-goal game that game? He, he had two assists in that game. Two um, assists, that's right. But, you know, he um, if you when you ISO him, you really do see, you know, interesting parts of his game um, yeah. that, you know, and you're right. I mean, he's got a real nose from the net. He also has a really uh, – has a – dirty streak to him which is fun to watch like he actually will get in there and take the extra little hack at, and 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 drive to the net after the goalie looks to have frozen good on face-offs i'm sure it showed that yeah it did and um and he made some really nice passes and, and as, as, as a sneaky shot um i know the flyers were saying you know that he was drawing comparisons to datsuk and stuff like that in his style yeah, i would slow that down a little yeah i mean you gotta slow that down of course he's not datsuk but i'm just saying but you can see the style listically yes. the similarities there um and a little bit of of, um, of Malkinish type things with his board play. He was really strong along the boards. But you know these these are all things that you know. Obviously, these are great players. I'm just saying, you know, comparing them to Russian players randomly, like I like I'm prone to do. So I'm, um, I'm left I'm left handed and I'm a little overweight. So that means I'm Babe Ruth. I mean, right, right I know. Also, so there you, you go. Know. Actually, you're probably a better baseball player than John Goodman was playing Babe Ruth. There was never a worse portrayal in sports. <laughs> and this is, I know it's off topic, but I have to say this because this is the one thing I, kn- I knew this movie was going to be a bomb when I read in the paper that John Goodman had to lose weight to play Babe Ruth. Wow. And, and Russ, I was, I was, a, I was a, a manager of a movie theater when that movie came out, and we, I saw the preview for that movie, and they, it, like, like all bad movies, they included every good scene in that movie right. in the preview and then had him with the long bat doing the pointed right. shot. Right. You know, it was like it, the preview looked phenomenal, and the movie was horrific. And I believe Goodman got injured during that movie, too, with swinging and stuff. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm going to throw one thing out for Flyers fans because I get a lot of complaints about them, and then we'll go, and I hate to be a Flyer-centric thing here, but I did get this text from somebody right now, and they said I had to check out the Carcitti article and this one quote, um, and it's really pretty funny. Um, so the Flyers, like I talked about before, I think the problem with the Flyers right now is they actually are trying to play a style that they're not suited for. I agree. Um, they're trying to be a defensive team, and this team, when they won their 10 in a row, were outscoring teams 4-3 to three or 5-3, to three, and now yes. – so the, the, in Cartier's article, he says the Flyers have not scored more than three goals in their last 12 games. Conversely, they started the season by scoring four or more goals in seven of their first 11 games. Um, lately, they focus on tight checking helmets. And then this is Gudis. We're clicking a little better on defense, and our forwards are doing a great job blocking a lot of shots, Gudis says. If we can stay responsible in the back end, maybe we can score as many goals as we were at the beginning of the year. And I think that's the issue. I don't think that's possible. I, I don't I think what you're looking at there are two conversely different things. Not possible. It's just – but that is the mindset now that has been right. set on the team, and that's where I say players like Voracek and Giroux are starting to be affected again offensively because now, now this is in their head. They have to worry about – nobody passes in the middle anymore. And, he, right. and I, apparently Dave Haxtell talked about this at the town meeting where, like, the middle of the ice is pretty much off – off limits at times because that's where turnovers happen, but that's also where great plays happen. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, even skating to the middle, yeah. um, you know, and develop and, you know, giving yourself more space because if you play along the boards, you're only, you're not, you're going to, you're going to have no passing lanes whatsoever. Right. So, you know, the issue there, there's a lot of things there, but I think that, you know, what would the flyers are on the road now, which is probably good for them. Um, but, you know, they're going to go out to get Calgary and, and Edmonton this week. So this is the road trip that the writers hate. The Western Canadians. Yeah, yeah, this, this is definitely the one they. In winter, and and actually, there were places like like Montreal got a ton of snow. Like this is the the road trip that the writers hate. 
Oh, the, yeah, West, yeah. the Western Canada road trip in February when it's minus 30 Celsius yeah. in Winnipeg. But I think every hockey fan out there, including myself, would love to do this road trip. Sure. Like this, this, this would be like, this would be a dream. Like to go, I mean, I've never, I've done, I've done, not done a lot of traveling like this with the Flyers or any a team on the road. I, I haven't been, I've been to Edmonton for the finals, but, um, and Calgary on vacation, but I, I want to do the Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver thing. I would love to do that. I think that would be phenomenal. But, you know, but you're right. Like Curmudgeon, like Tim Panaccio is just complaining every five seconds to people about this. So there's no question about that. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Use. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.